So this week we find uh, Christian, he's lost most of his armour in that terrible conflict. He still has his sword and he thinks that probably things can't get any worse now, but little does he know because shortly he comes to another valley. This valley is actually the valley of the shadow of death and it's very dark and it's extremely lonely and uh, there's no water there. And uh, I don't know where that came from. There's no water there. And as he's pondering this, because the path goes right the way through it, two men ran up to him screaming, Turn back, turn back, they said. Why should I turn back, he said. This is the way. Turn back, turn back. <clears throat> we're going the same way as you. We've just gone into the trees there. And, and, and we're not staying here any longer. We can't abide it. Well, what's wrong with the place? It's not... It's just the place itself. It's terrible. It's eerie. And we can hear, we can hear the groans of the damned. And they rushed off however had come this far and he wasn't going to sort of go back because a couple of men tried to frighten him and so he moved on the trouble was it was so dark he had to go virtually pigeon stepped to find his way and on one side there was a deep chasm and the chasm when he accidentally kicked stones down it he never heard the stone reach the bottom it seemed to go on forever and ever and he was scared of toppling over that and when he sort of wobbled towards that and tried to correct himself then he wobbled towards the other side where there was this terrible marsh and it's, uh, he just knew instinctively in the dream that if he fell in there even a good man might not get out because there'd be nowhere for him to place his feet and it was eerie and he, he was scared and then suddenly up ahead light and he thought good now there is light this must be better but actually he was wrong because this light was like the, the flames from the very hell itself and, and uh, there was deep dark smoke belching up from the chasm beneath him and the smoke was dark and it was, and it was thick and it got up his nostrils and in his eyes and, and made his eyes water and it smelled terrible and it made it even harder till in the end in order to make any progress he just had to get down on his hands and knees an inch along oh so slowly so slowly until it cleared but the way ahead of him was just as dark and just as dangerous What's more, as he walked along, he fancied that there were the spirits of the night flattering around and about him, and he heard them groaning and whizzing past him, and, and some of them seemed to bang into him and, and, and nearly knocked him off, and he was very scared, and he walked on and on until he could almost take it no longer, and he stopped and considered turning back. It was so terrible, but then he thought to himself, no, I may be halfway across this place, and... It was dangerous getting here, but if I'm halfway across, then it's dangerous getting back. I might just as well go forward. And so he went forward, continued again, step by step. But just then, there seemed to be this whirring sound around and about him. And although he didn't know it, one of the spirits of the night, a fiendish thing, as it seemed, hovered near his ear and began to whisper things in his ear. They were terrible things, he whispered. Foul oaths and, 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 and wicked scenes so that, that Christian's mind was finished, filled with things that were just abhorrent and, and foul and, and made him want to be sick. And, and, and he was so worried and scared because he thought to himself, he didn't realise these were being whispered into his head. He thought his own mind was coming up with these things. And so he shouted out, I will walk on in the strength of the Lord. The thoughts in his head for a moment ceased and the flapping of the foul winds, wings and, and spirits of the night 
for a ce- ceased for a moment, and he walked on, but it, well, not, not for long. They soon came back, they soon came back, and then he heard a voice coming from ahead of him. It was very far away, but it was a voice which said, Even though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. <gasps> Christian taking heart at this. Whoa. And he took heart for three reasons. One, because he realized there was somebody else who feared God up ahead of him. And number two, he realized that God was with this other person. If God was with him, this other person, God would be him, with him too. And so he was encouraged to continue. And then he thought, but if I can catch him up, the two of us can travel on together. And two is much better than just one. So he traveled on. On to go on all the way through the night. When day eventually came though, he was very relieved. And especially relieved because if it had been dangerous behind him, it was even more dangerous in front of him. But as he looked around him, he looked for the spirits of the night and the foul dragons that had had bedeviled his path and he saw them behind rocks and in crevices. And they were tiny things. And they were scared and cowering away from the light. And he wondered that he could ever have been so scared of these demons, so shriveled up and so useless they looked now. But as he looked ahead, and as you can see, there were nets placed before him and there were man traps and there were all kinds of things. And he wondered if ever, if he'd have come through this in the dark, whether he, whether he would have made it at all. And he walked on and he did get caught in one of the nets on one occasion. And it was only his trusty sword that enabled him to get out. And there were man traps and twice man traps tried to catch at his heel and drag him down. But he managed to escape those too. And then the path crumbled ahead of him. And it was very slow progress, but eventually... He seemed to emerge at the end. He came out from the far side of the valley of the shadow. He saw a terrible sight. Bones. The bones of previous pilgrims who somebody had killed. And there was a cave there. And as he moved towards the cave to have a look inside and see what it could be, somebody reached out and tried to drag him. And there had been two monsters there. And one of them had died of old age. And this one, Pagan, had been dying but was, was recovering again. But fortunately, his limbs were still too, still too stiff as he tried to reach out and, and, and catch him. And fortunately, Christian was able to get past him. And then, ahead of him, he saw the man whose voice he'd heard. And he recognized him. It was his old friend, Faithful, from the village of destruction, the man that the the doorkeeper at the beautiful palace had told him had passed by that way. And so he shouted after him, Faithful, Faithful, wait for me. But Faithful was still so scared that he thought an avenger was coming after him. And he ran for all he was worth, fearing that something had left the valley along with him, was trying to kill him. And so Christian had to race and race and race until eventually he caught up with him. And then... When Faithful realized who it was and they were reunited, he was so happy. Well, how did you get here, said Christian. And Faithful hadn't become despondent. He hadn't fallen into the slough of despond. But he had been nearly lured by a a lovely-looking woman who who sort of made eyes at him and, and winked and said, come, come to me. And her name was Wanton. And he was so close to going with her. But he managed to get away from her. Fortunately, he hadn't had to fight Apollyon. And so they walked on together. Well, tell me, why did you follow, said Christian. Um, Well, there was so much talk after you left the city 
that the city was going to be destroyed in just a matter of days, that I stayed until I could stay no longer. I just had to follow you to find this everlasting city which you spoke about. Why did everybody speak about it that much, said Christian, very surprised. Yes, they did, but nobody came after you because I think they didn't really believe you. And actually, they made quite a lot of jokes about your stupid journey. While they were talking, Faithful saw ahead of them a gentleman coming towards them. Or was he a gentleman? And he was very scared. He was still scared from his experience in the dark. And Christian said, no, that's all right. It's an old friend of mine. I recognize him. It's Evangelist. And Evangelist, as was his wont, came up to give them some more advice. He pointed into the distance. There, can you see, he said. You have to pass through that town there. It's a town called Vanity. Beware, he said. Quit yourselves like men. Commit your souls to God because one of you is going to die a painful death there. And as is the manner of dreams, he disappeared again. Christian and faithful had come this far. They weren't going to stop now. And for some reason, they didn't feel too scared at the moment. They just wondered which one of them it might be who was going to die. And so they went on into the city. Well, you may be able to see in the distance there, there was a big fair in this city called Vanity Fair. It wasn't a new thing. It had been there for 1,500 years or more. And it had been placed there as a, as a cunning trap by Be- Beelzebub, the prince of demons, and by Apollyon and Legion and others of their friends. Because they realized that the narrow road went right through this town of Vanity. And so they put the fair there especially on their path so they couldn't avoid it without going out of this world. Because they thought, if we can trap them with the, and allure them with so many things, they'll never be able to. They'll never make it to the celestial city. And so they began to walk through the fair. There were all kinds of things made of silver and gold and jewels. There were baubles and bric-a-brac. There were precious stones. And you could buy titles there, titles and honours. You could even pay enough money to get yourself a degree there. And there were people who could sell you vain pleasures and, and empty delights. In actual fact, the place was full of wonderful things and not so wonderful things. There were thieves there and scoundrels, and con men. And it was said that there was much murder went on in that place as thievery. Well, Christian and faithful walked through, covering their faces in the collars of their coats, trying to avert their eyes, lest they should see something which they knew would be attracted to them. And they didn't want to be diverted from the narrow path that took them to the everlasting city. But they couldn't hide from the people and... Soon enough, people began to shout at them. First of all, they laughed at their silly clothes because they were the clothes that belonged to the kingdom. They had all the wrong labels. And then they laughed at their accents because they spoke with the accent of a different kingdom. And then they began to shout at them because they weren't buying their wares. And then they got very hostile and, and tried to make them buy things and turn them aside. And when they wouldn't, they started what the burgomaster considered to be a riot. And he sent along his men. And considering that Chris, and imagining that Christian and, and faithful were actually lunatics, he had them arrested. And he had them put in a cage with their feet in the stocks. As people walked by, they laughed at them and jeered and swore at them and were very uncouth towards them. Some of them threw things at them. 
But Christian and faithful comforted one another with warm words from the scriptures. And when people were nasty to them and, and threw things at them, then they prayed for them. And when people, uh, when people said, cursed them, they blessed the people instead. And they acted very, very beautifully like the king of the country that they were going to. Unfortunately, of course, the people in Vanity Fair hated this. They hated it so much they began to shout for their blood and shouted that they should be taken to court. And so they were. A day was set and they were taken to court where the judge was Lord Hategood, a very cold but a very eminent man in that place. It seemed in the dream that faithful was the one that they pointed at and one by one witnesses were brought forward. The first one was called Envy and he said, I've known this man... For for a long time, which was actually just a downright lie. He didn't know him at all, but I know him to be a scoundrel and a vile, a vile man. And then Superstitious came along and he said, I don't know this man so very well, your, your lordship, but I've, I've had a talk with him and he's spoken terrible things about our, our religion here. He says that our religion here is, is next to nothing, it's worthless, it's just puff and vanity. He's a, he's a terrible man. And then Mr. Pickthank spoke up. He was a man who gained for himself credit with others by gossip and flattery. And he said, I beg your pardon, your lordship, but this bloke here, he's uh, said some terrible things about um, our prince, Beelzebub, and he said that uh, um, the noble people around us are sheer villains. He's, he particularly picked out Lord Luxury and Lord Lechery Lex, and uh, Sir Abbot Greedy, sir. And uh, he said that they were, they were terrible people. And um, I'm afraid, sir, he spoke about you words I hardly want to tell you. But he said that you were, well, I just quote, sir, you're an ungodly villain. Having listened to all this stuff, Lord Hategood turned to faithful, in a very cold voice said, well you've heard what the witnesses said, you're a, a ruffian, a scoundrel, just the sort of person we don't want in a place like this. But don't let anybody say we're not fair-minded here, what do you have to say for yourself? Well said faithful, plucking up his courage, lifting up his soul to God, he said, um, well sir, if you can show me that your laws aren't totally count contrary to Christianity, then I will recant, I promise, sir. But what I said about Prince Beelzebub and the others, I won't retract that, because hell is the place for them, not a place like this. Well, the court was almost in uproar. What do you think the verdict is? said the judge to the jury, and you could hardly hear who was speaking. He's guilty! Hang him! He's filthy! Hanging's too good for him. And so, as you can guess, they convicted him. Did a pole in the square, put bales of hay round it, him up and burned it. Now, you may wonder where Christian was in all this. He had been found by a man called Hopeful, who had been on his way to the everlasting city, and he had been sidetracked by Vanity Fair. But when he saw how Christian and, and Faithful conducted themselves, he remembered himself and found out Christian and together from a distance they watched as Faithful died. But Christian rubbed his eyes. He could hardly believe what he was seeing. 
Was he the only person in the place who could see it? For he saw drawing up behind the fire a chariot, and the door was opened. And when his enemies had finished with him, Faithful stepped into the chariot, and he was driven away into the clouds. And Christian just knew he was the lucky one. He was going to reach the everlasting city long before he would. As for Christian of Hopeful, they walked on together. They were nearly sidetracked a couple of times some people from the land of fair, from the city of fair speech approached them and, but Christian recognised one of them as Mr Love Money and the other one as Face Both Ways and although they wanted to join them and Hopeful being a very hopeful sort of character was only too pleased to welcome them into their little, into their little sort of caravan Christian said I know these people these people are, are scoundrels these people are, are charlatans we don't, they're not the company we want to keep and Hopeful listened to him and they moved on then they came to a little hill where there appeared to be a mine on the hillside and a man called Demas came up to them and, and said, Sir, sirs, if you just step aside there, there's a mine there, you can make some silver. And, and, and Christian, being very hope, hopeful, being very hopeful man, very hopefully said, well, perhaps we could go up there and get some, and get some silver before we pass on in our journey. But again, Christian felt warned inside his being. He said, no, this is a dangerous place. It's not a dangerous place at all, said, said Demon, Demas, looking very shifty and blushing to the roots of his hair. And so the two pilgrims moved swiftly on, but not far behind them was the people from Fair Speech. And they listened to Demas, and they went up, but they fell from the brink of the, of the mine and they were overcome by the vapours that were inside and made no further progress on their journey at all. As for Christian and Hopeful, they were safe. Christian had been very prudent and his prudence had saved them. The trouble with being prudent and wise is you have to be prudent and wise tomorrow as well. Being prudent today doesn't mean you can be careless tomorrow. Or not, they were careless the next day, out next week.